Hi, my name is Mansoud Shojai. Hello, my name is Alayar Sayyad Manish. My name is Saman Godus. Hello everyone, my name is Saida Zatolayan. My name is Yasaman Parmani. My name is Ali Ghulizadeh and you are listening to Golbezan Podcast. My name is Yunus Delphi. You are listening to the Golbezan Podcast. This is Nav Nasri. My name is Mehdi Mehdi Khani. Sean Sabatkar. Hi, this is Kat. Hi, my name is Vida Raya Parvar. My name is Kimia Raya Parvar. It's Dr. Craig Duncan and you're listening to and you are listening to Golbezan Podcast. Hey, this is Arash Markazi from ESPN. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray from ESPN of EA Sports. What is up, everybody? It's your favorite former U.S. men's national team player, Jimmy Conrad, and you're listening to the soothing sounds of Gold Bazan. You're listening to Gold Bazan Podcast. You are listening to Gold Bazan Podcast. And I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast. Your one-stop shop for all your Iranian soccer news. Welcome back to another episode of Gold Bazan. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a while since we recorded so I'm really glad to be joined by Sina, Danielle, and Arya. Welcome back to the pod, guys. Thanks a lot, Sina. I appreciate it. I've not had you on as, as host for a long time as well. It's good to have you. Uh, and also the other two, Sina and Danielle. Uh, it's been a few months, as you said. Glad to be back. Yeah, there's been Sina a lot of is... stuff as well that's happened. Yeah, good good to good to speak to you as well, Sina. Is, is it the first time that we've been on the pod together, two Sinas on the same episode? I, I think this is, is I think this is the second time. I think yeah, it's, it's happened once before. Yeah, it's once, happened before. once before. Fair enough. But yeah, this is the second time. It is rare that we're on the podcast together. I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's. I think it's the first time with me and Sina too. Yeah, I think you, you, you and Sina Sadza they have been together, but you and Sina signed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's, Sina confusion. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly why I mentioned this. I think it's, um, it's good that we um we separate the two Sinas. So, so yeah, so I think I think guys, confused. just why don't you just just change your names? Like honestly, it makes it makes our life a lot easier. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the the weird thing is the uh, the first two letters of our surname is the same as well. Yeah, so we can't exactly. even rely on that too. <laughs> yeah, it's very differentiate. Sina Zade and Sina Mian is how we'll do it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but guys i'm really excited to be to be with all of you because like there's been a lot that's happened since we last recorded like a lot of different things that have happened and um yeah this episode is going to be a very long one so yeah we haven't recorded for a while but hopefully you guys listening uh this makes up for it because we're covering everything um every single bit of news has happened since we last recorded we're going to cover it so the first thing i really want to cover with you guys is probably the biggest news has happened uh, in the last week or so is the elections that have happened and there was a lot of like stuff that happened kind of between them announcing it and then like saying it was cancelled or whatever but then it happened like i really want to like clear this all up for people listening so yeah meditage won won it uh, with with the votes but yeah Aria, what could you like? Do you mind explaining like the stuff that happened behind the scenes uh, for people that, that didn't pay attention to it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, um, the votes, as I said, they went in favor of Mehdi Taj. He got fifty-one of the votes, which made him win it. Obviously, he got more as the, as the election went on, but the fifty-one was that number that that made him win. Uh, it was a clear kind of a, kind of a landslide. Um, voting that got him that that presidential job. Uh, as you said, you know it, it was it was obviously supposed to happen on on Tuesday, and then it got cancelled the night before. Um, an absolute mess has to be said. It's an absolute mess, and um, there's no doubt in my mind anyway that the two uh, people that tried to really really behind this kind of cancellation, if you will were the two guys, Mishan Majidi, who was obviously the acting president up till now, and the general secretary, Hassan Ekar Monifar, who both of them just, you can, you can tell that they, they had a lot of, I mean, first of all, you can tell they didn't really want to get let go of their jobs, which is fine, you know, of course, a lot of people want to keep, but they, they went about it in a really kind of unfair and bad manner, trying to even to the point of trying to get Taj to come on t- TV and, and they were trying to like circle around him and even Taj didn't, didn't even accept the invitation from from Football Baratar to come on their show and, you know, do like a debate because he knew that they were going to tr- try and grill him and all that. So so it, it got to the point where they tried to kind of last minute stop the elections from happening. They gave really rubbish reasons as well on the 
on the IFF website, you know, just really like a lot of gibberish, you know, a lot of codes and articles and all these things that doesn't make a lot of sense, doesn't really give any give you any kind of value or information as to who or what and actually what the issues were. And in the end, did, uh, it, it happened. Sorry, Ari, to interrupt you. Did they did they stop it or did FIFA step in and stop it? Who? Well, who, I think who, who I think in? they were. I mean, they were alluding to. I can bring up the notes just now. I mean, they were alluding alluding to the fact that there were issues with, as you said, um, rules not being met. So it says here, attention to code of ethics of FIFA weren't paid attention to, uh, failure to comply with Article Seven of the Constitution of the federation i mean what does that even mean like it's a bunch of gibberish honestly and then it says here illegal activity of some members of the election committee i mean if there's illegal activity there should be a complete cancellation it shouldn't be able to even get done and then it, like what eight hours later it did actually happen so i don't see how they can go from saying that eight hours before the election to then it actually happening it doesn't make any sense I'd like to hear what you guys say as well because I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit baffled. Yeah, well, like, what do you what do you make of it, Sina? I think it's uh, look. Uh, Arya's right. You know, if if there is something illegal that going on, then then technically on 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 the face of it all, it should be stopped. But at the same time, you know, when you have someone like Mehdi Toch, who is incredibly influential in Iranian football, has been has been there as as long as I can remember. I mean, I I remember growing up and and watching the. Uh, uh, the Iranian Pro League, and and at the time he was involved with with Sepan. I think he was the uh, he was the chairman of of the club. So he's been he's been in and around Iranian football for for an incredibly long time, and he knows exactly um, what makes those around him tick. Now, I think it's it, 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 at least to my mind, there's never been an occasion where someone has been um, in charge of the the uh, the federation has left and has come back to um to to become president again and and you know it, it for me that goes to show how much influence he has and i think in that sort of scenario automatically you would assume there's been a lot of lobbying going on which i think that's where the illegal stuff could could potentially come into it but as far as we know those are all um those are all um rumors i think that the point that um they've mentioned regarding fifa is worrying it could potentially later on come back and 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 kind of bite us um on the backside if it is genuine and, and if it if there is any um kind of substance to it because as we've seen with fifa especially in the last few years they take the um the 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 kind of um interference or illegal interferences of 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 um uh, external factors um, very seriously, I think they recently um, sanctioned the Indian Federation. If I'm if I'm correct, prior to that, Pakistan, we, no, Pakistan as well, and I think there yeah. was one with India a couple of weeks ago. But Pakistan, yeah. you're right. I think it's been within the last twelve months. Prior to that, Kuwait was banned. And Kuwait, from yeah, any Kuwait. any footballing activities for I think two or three years. So, um, it's it's a serious serious matter. Um, but as as far as um, saying whether we are in danger or not honestly i'm i'm not i'm not so sure but it was it, it's been i think it's been obvious for for the last few weeks at least that he is yeah. coming back and i think it, it looked like the elections were just a formality really but Daniel, do you not think it they've you know th- these two majidi and karmani for have made themselves look very foolish within the last you know 8 hours of the election happening yes yes they did in my opinion on all of on all that, without going into details, is, is that the, the timing in general of this election is really bad uh, because we're really close to to the World Cup and any decision, let's let's hope that any decision will be taken uh, to 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 make a step forward for for Team Melli. Uh, actually, uh, his one of the main topic of his agenda was bringing back Carlos Queiroz. And um, even if even if he does or not, we, we we don't really know if it's if it was only a strategy to just to to get uh, reelected. And as you said, you know, it's maybe the, the the first time that the president of federation is coming back after a few years. But yeah, he's a very influenced person. And yeah, the the order to really uh, make themselves uh, look look like fools 
with the <laughs> all the cancellation and and the way they just conduct the um, the meeting and uh, yeah yeah I think uh, I think anyway without really going into detail the timing is really bad and I'm not sure that uh, um, that will be a positive um, issue for for us anyway. I think it just seems like we don't really know what happened behind the scenes like that well. Um, I, I think the, the main question I had is like whether FIFA stopped this directly or was it internally within the federation that they sort of cited FIFA's rules um, because that, that makes a big difference, right? But we don't, don't we don't know that information. I don't think it was FIFA. I don't think FIFA would stop it eight, eight hours before. And if they, if they wanted to stop it, they would have done it quite a little yeah. while back from it actually happening. I mean, FIFA know what they're doing. They're not. They're not like. Let's be honest. They're not, they're not idiots. They know what they're doing. They can. They can read what between the lines and say, okay, if it needs to get stopped, we'll do it a lot earlier. It's quite. I mean, come on. Like, let's not be. Let's not be foolish ourselves. And we know for a fact that the the, the reason why it was cancelled in quotation marks was because they these two people didn't want to lose their jobs, and they wanted to somehow stop Taj from getting in that post. That that's the truth. I mean. I mean, you know, you look and look at it in any way. That's how I see it anyway. I, I see it that way. And I think I, I think it shows you this reign that Majidi's had as president of the Iran Football Federation. There's been there, there hasn't been a time where there's not been controversy and to the point of even some corruption within his reign. And I think you need to identify, you know, how many times have we had football federation presidents that have come in and they've had so many issues within such a short period of time it doesn't happen i mean it happens over a longer period sure but not this short of a time and you know I've, i'm really like to the point and i, I think also like Majidi, of course he he tries to play off this kind of persona that like you know i'm an ex-footballer and you know i'm on the footballer side and you know i take that kind of side of things and look i i don't i don't i see right through that honestly personally i see right through that i get it he wants to act like he's on the footballer's side but you need to do your job like you've you've got a big job to do and if you're not doing it right then i'm not gonna start backing you because you're an ex-player you know so this this selections happened meditage has, has got in I want to ask you guys what it actually means. Like, what's the impact now? Now that it's now that it's happened, like f whether FIFA steps in later on down the line, as you mentioned, you know, like, like okay, we can face that when it comes. But as of now, what does it mean for for Iran for the World Cup? Like, what does it mean? It, going back to one of the things that uh, the guys actually, I think it was yourself who asked the question as to whether or not FIFA was um, kind of uh, were the ones who who may have wanted to to cancel the the election. I don't think FIFA has the i generally don't think they have the authority to cancel elections um i think what they usually do is is that if they think there is suspicious activity happening they usually send a warning and that happened to iran a few years back i can't exactly remember when but i, I know it was within the last decade um and um if the federation still decides to go ahead then they essentially end up being suspended um which is what's happened to um to to kuwait now in terms of the implications I can only speak for myself and say, look, I only know the the implication that it's going to have on on the national team because of everything that we've been hearing in terms of um, Carlos Kairos coming back, but also, you know, when I think it's because of my own frustrations at the time, um, I feel like I also have to make the point that Mehdi Taj, when he was in charge, when he was initially the president of of the FA, was the factor one of the main factors behind bringing mark wilmots and and the um the criminal case that i think it was with with mark wilmots coming in and and, and uh, under the incredibly huge contract that he was on it was mehdi Tosh who, who sanctioned it alongside the sports minister um ministry at the time um so for him coming back firstly i think it's, it's always worth remembering that um there is and there will always be that black mark on his on his resume um when discussing his time um with the um with the federation but but in terms of going forward of course there is talks of of Carlos Kerosh coming back i'm sure we'll we'll get into that and in terms of what that means for 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 the national team's preparation going into the world cup but if we look at it from the bigger picture 
yes, Kerosh is, is a better candidate than, than Scottish to, to lead the national team going forward. Um, I think in the long term, and, and especially when, when we discuss or, or think about the the Asian Cup, it puts us in a better position to be able to prepare and um, maybe get a little bit closer than, than we did on, on, on the last tournament with, with Kerosh um, as well. Um, I've, I've always said that Scottish isn't a long-term option but i'm i'm still on the on the side that i'm i'm not sure exactly what we'll gain from making a change this close to the tournament um but you know we find ourselves in this situation regardless anyway can i just add something regarding what you just said there regarding you know obviously taj he was the reason one of the reasons why mark wilmot came back and i think if you look at it a little bit in depth i mean on paper you look at his resume you know, just like where he was coaching at the time, you know, Belgian Ivory Coast, not a bad resume, even compared to Scotch, it's much better. But then if you look at, if you go into depth, I think one of the, the issues that Todd had is he kind of made this decision very hastily um, because he could have brought Renard in. He didn't want to wait a little bit longer to bring him in. Didn't make a lot of sense. Could have brought him in a few months later, but chose to bring Mark Belmont at the time. Um, and, he didn't look into his kind of CV to say, oh, although he was at Belgium, although he was at Ivory Coast, how did he actually get on at these countries? Not very well either. Um, and then as you say, they, they offered him a massive contract. So I think on paper, like if you look at it very like as a, as a supporter, sure, it, not a bad CV. But if you look at it, if you're, I mean, you're the, the federation president, you should be going into more depth, considering you just had a, had a fantastic coach like Kirosh lose his job or, or not lose his job but like go out of contract you need to replace him properly so they didn't take the time to do that so I think I, I hope that um, Taj uses that as a learning curve you know to say next time a coach does come in I'm going to make sure to do my research Daniel I want to ask you how so how likely do you think it is that I think this is the question a lot of fans lips to be fair it's like how likely is it that Carlos Quirish will come back given the election now like the, the team that we face right now is if we want to be truthful, extremely divided and probably the most divided I've seen in, in my lifetime, at least. Like a lot of them are on the side of Skosic, a lot of them on the side of, of Carlos Quirosh coming back. And these are first team players. They're not substitutes. They're not reserves. These are first team players, strike partnerships who are, who are like on opposite sides of the fence. We need stability at the end of the day. I think that's the most important thing. So what do you like? How likely is it that Carlos Quirosh will come back? And do you think it's even the right decision? Well, that's a really good question. I think everyone is asking this question right now. Um, we, we've seen uh, Carlos Queiroz posting a video uh, on the social network before the election, a video in the in the cloakroom with the Iranian players. And uh, so for sure, there's been some talk uh, between him and Taj before the election, and maybe even between his, with his old staff. So they, they may even get Maybe they, they they got prepared. Uh, look at the the games Iran played lastly, and I, I I'm not sure about that, but they they could have done it. Um, I, I just hope that uh, Mehdi Taj, as I said, it was uh, the main topic on his to do list to bring Carlos Queiroz back, and uh, I just hope that he didn't use uh, that argument to get reelected. I really hope that uh, uh, he thinking. Uh, about um, about Tim Ellie and not himself, like the other two candidates, and uh, he didn't just do that to to gain uh, the presidency again. It's a colossal task, though. Like this is the last question I'll ask on Carlos Quiroz because we've got a lot of stuff to cover. But like even him coming in now, as as you said, Sina, like it's so close to the World Cup, um, and also is with a team that's incredibly divided. Like, does he have time to to fix this all? I'll go with you, Sina, because you mentioned it. Well, generally, when we all watch football, we, we, we see different managers at different clubs and, and whether we like it or not, we label them. You know, we have managers who are great at making tactical decisions in the game. Uh, there are some who are great on the mental aspect, on, on the preparation aspect and, and so on and so forth. When when I think about Carlos Queiroz, I I think of a manager and as a, and, and of a coach who is um, incredibly smart and and incredibly um, uh, kind of um, organized, especially when it comes to preparing the team for um, a certain game or or a, kind of a, a certain opponent. Now, 
when we apply that to the 2018 World Cup, as an example, you know, we saw um, that Iran was prepared to go up toe-to-toe against some of the best in the world against, you know, um, Spain, Portugal and and the African champions at the time in, in Morocco and get really good results. Now, if we again apply that philosophy to to the current situation and you know if a manager is coming in who is really good at preparation and then needing time with players to be able to uh, implement his ideas and then how he wants to um, play and, and, and approach the tournament this is definitely not enough time even for i mean if we consider that it would be enough time for any other world cup because you know in the summer you usually get a little bit more time for this world cup especially there's even less time. So to bring in a manager like that and expect instant results, I, I personally, I, I don't think it would be very smart. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm against him coming in, not at all. Uh, but I just think our expectations of this team going into the World Cup shouldn't now jump to a whole new level where we think, oh, you know, we, we can get... Um, two wins, for example, out of these three games. No, I, th- I think it's far from that. And, and let's not remember, Kairosh, during the entire um, entirety of, of his initial uh, tenure with with the national team, he's always failed to have a backup plan in games when things don't go well. The reason I say this is because when we consider then, you know, we're approaching the tournament, no time, what kind of manager do we need? In my mind, I would say we need a manager who can make decisions within the game to change the outcome of, of, of the game when things don't go well. Um, Kerush isn't that type of manager. But again, this is not me saying Kerush shouldn't come in. Not at all. Compared to Scottish, a much better um, option. Uh, but I still think it's more about managing our own expectations and making sure, making sure that we keep our feet on the ground. Yeah, I totally agree with that last point Sino made there. I think... As much as I, I, I'm a big Kairos fan, I think he's he done great things for our football over the eight years he was in charge. I think, you know, if you, I think what, what I think, okay, let's just say, for example, under Skocic, you know, we might get two points this World Cup, as an example. In my opinion, I'm in the opinion that if Kairos did come in to replace Skocic, that might get upgraded to three or four points, potentially. That's how I see it. I do think there would be a slight upgrade uh, in results, maybe getting another draw, another win. I don't know if we'll do better than we did in 2018, which is what I would like to see, obviously. Uh, You want to try and improve every single year, but I don't know if that's the case just now. We'll see. But I want to make a point because I think it's obviously important that we discuss this because obviously this is what the podcast is about. Is is he going to come back? Is is he actually going to come back? And in my opinion, I don't think Taj would even consider coming back as the president of the federation if his. I believe he wanted to come in in order to to get rid of Skocic and to potentially bring in Kairos. I think that's one of his key things. I think Daniel, you make a good point saying you know, is that you know is he only saying that because he wants a job? I don't see why he would want the job just to come back and do it. I mean, obviously, it's good to have the job, but I don't think he needs it. Like, I don't think he needs the job. So I think, considering he had a little bit of a, a tough uh, exit with the, the Walmart situation and all that, I don't think he would need the job, but I think he wants to bring back Kirosh. I think that is one of his, uh, the key kind of concepts that he's alluding to for this, um, for this role. And I think it could happen. I believe, I've not heard anything specifically, but I do believe that there, there have been talks um, you know, behind the scenes, and I, I I do think we could see that happening. Hopefully, before the the next two friendlies that we'll come on to later in the episode just now, actually. Uh, but I think, as I said, I think it would be an upgrade over Scotchich. However, I don't think it would be a massive upgrade. I don't think it would be unbelievably massive, considering the, how late it is as well. Uh, but it would be a little upgrade for sure. There won't be any miracles. I agree with both of you. With the timing, um, just a few few weeks before the World Cup, the, there can't be even if we bring the best manager with the timing, the the the, the two camps only. There won't be any miracles. So as you said, Sina, we shouldn't have much expectation for for this World Cup. Yeah, I think the bottom line is if this change does happen, it needs to happen 
like soon, like ASAP. I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, maybe he's appointed, who knows? Because he, it needs to happen before these two friendlies that obviously we're going to talk about right now. Um, and they're two very good quality friendlies. I'm actually very gobsmacked that we've managed to like pull these off because, so yeah, we'll talk about it now. There's two friendlies that are confirmed against Uruguay and Senegal on the 23rd and 27th of September, respectively. Um, and the matches will be played in Austria, most likely in Vienna. Myself and Ario are actually going to the game. So if you are in Vienna during those dates, then do let us know. Um, but yeah, Kalkwerosh, if he is coming back, these two friendlies are an amazing opportunity for him to stable the ship, um, implement some tactics. Like it's it's last minute, but any any like like days count at this point. So what do you guys make of the friendlies like uh, that, that have been organized? Uh, Daniel, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, as you said, it's very—it's two very good friendlies. Uh, we're playing against very good team. Let's just hope that this camp will be used to to build um, a football project around this team. On the last camp, it was quite disappointing. We we couldn't see any any project um, on the pitch, uh, way of playing. It was, it was a bit confusing, and uh, and actually, it's um, it's sad because. Our players know each other very well for a long time now. With coaches, there has been a lot of players called up, so maybe the the chemistry uh, was lacking. And but anyway, there, there is a um, some of them that know each other for a long time, and still um, it, it's hard to to define an identity uh, out of this team. For example, if you you take Spain, you take France, you take Switzerland. You, you take South Korea, Australia, they have an identity. But we, actually, I can't define it. So let's hope that um, we'll use this camp to, to build a football project. Uh, actually, under College Carus, we had one. People like it or not, but we had one. We had a clear project and we, we knew how we were play, play football on the pitch. Player knew what to do. Uh, they all knew exactly uh what was asked for them and that is that is essential especially at this level what's important to note as well this is the first game since all those players posted on instagram you know both on taking like both sides so like you mentioned chemistry and i think that'll be a very important thing to sort of like i don't know either fix or look out for in these two friendlies so i don't know Sina, what do you think like what, what should we expect out of these games it, it all depends on who the manager is, doesn't it? Um, I think yeah. even 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 more. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of come into the quality of the opponents that we are we are playing. But I think for me, a more concerning matter is is the actual squad because it's it's the last um, kind of squad that will um, uh, will will get to see before the World Cup in terms of um, having time together to to prepare. Hopefully, Kairos or um, at least the managerial situation will be sorted one way or another. If it is Kairos, and hopefully he'll be coming in by then, and, and he can he can invite his own players that he wants to he wants to work with. And um, in terms of the opponents that we're playing, this is a quality that we've been dying to see how teams playing against. You know, for 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 such a long time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I when I think of previous kind of friendlies, top quality friendlies that we had. The only ones that I can think of uh, prior to this are Sweden and Chile, uh, which was back in 2015, if I'm if I'm correct. I can't imagine, I can't remember us playing anyone of, of this quality um, in uh, kind of in the last what five or six years. So um, great for the players, great for the team. If we can get in a manager and and, and um, implement the ideas that he wants in terms of approaching the World Cup, then then even better. For me, the result isn't even important. You know, we could end up getting absolutely battered by by Uruguay. Um, I'm, I'm not so concerned about the results. It's mostly um, finding out how we are going to approach the tournament, how we are going to play. You know, I look back look back to 2018, and for example, you know, we played against Turkey, which was a shambolic game in terms of the results, but um, um, it was it was good because we had we we got an idea of of how Iran were going to play in the World Cup, the, the personnel and so on. And I think that's how this camp and these two games should be treated too. Yeah, I totally agree. Look, I think um, I think this is a good opportunity for us. Um, 
you know, again, I come back to Carmoni Fire, our good friend, who kept trying to say that we're going to play against Brazil or Argentina. <laughs> and then uh, even said we're going to play Uruguay in June. We're eventually going to play Uruguay. Um, we're going to play them in Austria, which is good that we're playing them in Europe. There will be a lot of Iranians and in, in obviously in Vienna that will come out to that game. Um, I think other Sina as well, Sina Simon will come as well, hopefully. Uh, so, and maybe even Daniel, he might be there as well. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of us going. Uh, so, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to it as well. If Kairos, for example, does come back, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how we get on against tough opponents. You know, Senegal are a very strong team. Senegal are a very strong team. And we, did, we saw how they did against Egypt under Carlos Kairos. So that'll be another storyline um, that you'll be playing against them. Um, and, you know, again, uh, we're, we need it because we're playing, we're playing against England. I mean, we played against the Algeria C team. I mean, granted, we lost the game, but ultimately we've not been tested that much, you know, under Skocic anyway. Yes, that could be an argument that people are saying, OK, why is he getting sacked? But let's be honest, he hasn't done a particularly great job, you know, when when he has been tested a little bit, you know, against Algeria, not looking good. And then against South Korea, even though we had players missing, still looked really poor. We didn't adapt at all. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to these games. I really hope we can make use of them uh, the right way uh, to prepare us for the, for the England game and obviously the US and Wales games as well. Yes, and just to finish uh, on on the on the next camp, um, I'm quite skeptical because uh, before the elections, uh, the players you, you mentioned, you know, the, the 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 all the stories, the the Instagram posts, all the interviews, and I, in my opinion, there has been too much talk uh, around um, around Timeli, and this doesn't show unity at all. There are divisions, and um, that affected already Timeli and will affect. And I'm quite, quite curious, but not in a positive way, to see how this will uh, affect us and how it will be during during this camp. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm very curious to see what happens as well. Like I've I've not seen this sort of like thing before with the national team where I, I think the last time I can think of something like this is maybe France and like one of their world cups when the players just, yeah, got really angry and like just sort of walked out. But like, it, it's obviously not to that level of scale, but yeah, yeah I'm very curious to see what happens in, in these two friendlies, which both of which are amazing friendlies. And I'm very glad that we've been able to pull this off. I think one sort of notable injury though, from these two friendlies, as well as the world cup is uh, Alayar Sayed Manesh, who, Obviously, he's been on the podcast before. Um, Arya, how how big of a loss is that? And I guess, what is the injury for people who don't know? Yeah, so regarding Alayar, um, unfortunate injury that he picked up. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was in a good way, a good vein of form. He was looking very impressive and it started to see, okay, he wasn't scoring goals, but he was working very hard and he was very excited to play in the World Cup. He was telling me how much he was looking forward to it. Um, unfortunately, he picked up an injury a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, it, it was an injury that is a bit of a freak accident because he was actually, he was actually threw on goal and he went to, went to have a shot and he just, just pulled up. I think he pulled his, uh, his hamstring tendon, uh, kind of the top of the muscle where it meets the hip joint. And, um, you know, he, uh, doc doctors were saying to him that, you know, you could have surgery, which would mean that you potentially miss the World Cup or you can not have surgery, you can go to the World Cup, but your chances of, of getting injured or re-injuring is 60, 40 to 60%. However, if you have surgery, your re-injury rate is about 5%, give or take. So it, overall for your career, it's better if you have the surgery okay you might miss the world cup but you won't miss the rest of the season uh, if you get injured again and you'll be you'll be fine for the asian cup in june you know so it was a bit of a i think it was a hard choice for him to make initially but as soon as he kind of heard that he he has 
a potential chance of still making the World Cup. It's not that he's completely out of it. I think I want to make, make that very clear. He's not out of the World Cup. That that's a, that's set in stone. It's not out of the World Cup. He can still make it, but it'll be quite tough to recover for it for sure. And he won't. He definitely won't be hundred percent. So let, let's have, keep our fingers crossed and hope that he comes back fit. Um, you know, and I, I know for a fact he's going to work really hard on his recovery, um, which he said to me he will. So I, I'm looking forward to how he gets on in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think it was a good move for him to take the operation because realistically, like he's a young player, like he needs to be, he needs to have, you know, his his tenders, like everything, everything in check. Because I mean, how many minutes would he have realistically got at the World Cup anyway? Like I think it's long term, it's the right decision. He's got at least like two more World Cups in him, in my opinion, um, maybe even three. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely the right decision for him. He's a, he's a top player, so. I think that the whole fans were getting very excited seeing him, so they won't see him for a few months. But yeah, well, it's exciting to see him when he when he's back, um, hopefully stronger. Now, guys, I want to move to the uh, European uh, the European football draws because we've had some really tasty features that have come, uh, really t- like fixtures that have come. And I'll, I'll start with the the Champions League. So the first one that I'll talk about is so. I'll, I'll talk with the less juicy one. Uh, Moharami with Dynamo Zagreb with AC Milan, Chelsea and Red Bull Salzburg. Pretty difficult group, in my opinion, but we'll, we'll see how he fares. But the big the big one, the big news, um, Osmond and Tarami with Leverkusen and Porto, they're in the same group um, with Atletico Madrid and Club Rouge. So I don't think they've actually played each other before in a club competition. So it's a very interesting fixture. Um, Sino, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think both of them will be excited at the prospects of, of going up against each other. I think that um, prior to the draw, when I was when I was having a look at it, I, I thought that both of them would want to play against bigger teams, you know, to, to be able to showcase their talents. But to be honest, it's not the first time in the Champions League for neither of them. And, and they've come up against some big opponents and both of them have, have shown what they can do. So um, I think that they'll be excited at the uh, prospect of firstly, as I said, playing up, uh, playing against each other, but also um, both of them will have a great chance of, of going up to the um, to the next round. So, uh, and of course, playing in playing in the in the knockouts is um, is is something that they, that both I'm sure uh, would want to do. Um, but uh, but yeah, for for Moharami as well, I think it's a great. I think it'd be really exciting for him. I know Aria has been following him a lot closer than, than I have, so he'll be able to um, to let us know if he's expecting him to to play regularly in the group stages. But but coming up to uh, um, London, playing against Chelsea, and then uh, going up to Italy, playing against AC Milan. These are these are, these are kind of games that you you remember for the for the rest of your life, especially for a player like Mahrami who. Uh, let's be honest. You know, he's not he's not the most talented player in the world. He's not going to play for one of the biggest clubs or, or in the biggest leagues in Europe. So this is this is a great opportunity for him to um, to show what he can do. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really good challenge for him. It's but like there's big teams in that group. Um, so the only question mark I have, Daniel, is Osman. Is he getting enough playing time with Leverkusen to actually will, will he actually play against Porto? Do you think, given given how much time he's getting? Well, I think he's getting enough time, uh, time playing time. But uh, the the only thing is that he Leverkusen played very bad, in my opinion, in the first games. Actually, they had a win, but he wasn't playing, and he wasn't starting. And uh, it was quite worrying the way they were playing, and and really they they didn't have um, a nice way of playing, a nice project on the pitch. Um, it was quite disturbing because they have quality players for like Diaby, uh, Ausmoon, Sheik, um, and etc. And they weren't playing well. So I was asking for myself, like if it continues like that, maybe the coach could be sacked. And um, and to, to be back to the question, uh, I think Ausmoon will play, of course. Uh, he's one of their main players. It's just that it seems, and uh, right now they, they just have... Uh, um, a new player on loan, uh, Hudson Odoi from uh, Chelsea. Um, yeah, th- he, we'll see how um, how the the starting lineup will change. And I think the coach is still searching for for his uh, starting eleven. 
And um, let's just hope that Osman will make sure that he's inside it and that he's one of the first name on the on on the sheet for every every game. Um, and like Taremi, I think Taremi's achievement with with um, with Porto and with uh, so at club level is right now um, higher than Osman. He's shown regularity for Porto. Porto is one of the main clubs in uh, Europe. He's been playing well in UCL, and actually now it's the the time for Osman to show that he can be uh, that that regular and. Uh, that he can play very good at this level. Completely agree with you. Do we know when this when this fixture is going to be? Have they released the fixture list yet? Uh, yeah, they have. Uh, I think they're playing play next week. Actually, uh, yeah, play next week. Yeah, it's, it's starting next week. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to make a couple of points. First of all, Moharami looked great. Yeah, as you know, it's a great chance for him to show himself against big teams like AC Milan and, and Chelsea. Um, you know, I think. Obviously, he's not played a lot of the qualification rounds. For he played one game against Shkupi, Al Albanian team earlier on in qualification. He actually got an assist in that game uh, for their captain Ademi, uh, but he hasn't played any any of the other qualification games. But he has been starting quite regularly in the Croatian league. He's started five of the seven games um, that they've had this season, and also had one off the bench, so he's played six games out of the seven, which is really good for Moharami because obviously, I think one of the key things for him is game time. If he can get regular game time, he is quite an impressive player. At times, he looks quite good, especially going forward. He's he's, and he's I think he's had a couple of assists already this season, one in the league as well. He looks good sometimes, you know, in, in games where he's starting regularly. When he misses games for a long period of time, he starts to bring up these errors in his game that can cause just real issues for this whole team, especially defensively speaking. We saw it against South Korea in qualification as well. So I, I want to see him start regularly up to the, to the World Cup because I do think he will be our starting right back. Um, so hopefully he gets a little bit of game time, at least against even against the other team in the group. Uh, remind me who that is. I think it's um, Salzburg. And maybe yes, against Osborne. Salzburg, so that could be yes. an option for him. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. On 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 Osmond and Taremi, Osmond first of all, obviously very talented footballer. I'm not so sure about his mentality. Sometimes I feel like he's got a little bit too many things off the pitch going on. I don't really agree with a lot of things he does. But great player, no doubt about it. Um, the coach seems to be, play, be playing him like in a number 10 kind of role at Leverkusen just now behind Patrick Schick, who obviously is their number nine and is the one that's, you know, the prolific goal scorer for that team. So he is playing in behind them. I don't I don't think long-term that's where Osmond wants to be playing. And I do think, obviously, he started quite well, but I do think over a period of time, his performances may drop because he's playing out of position it's not his natural position. Obviously, when you just join a team, you have that kind of you know you're on you're on you're on um you know you're on a high. You really want to impress, but over time, you do want to play in your natural role. I think over a bit more longer as the season goes on, I hope that he does play maybe as a joint joint forward pairing or on his own. I do think that he can he can do that joint partnership you know you saw it with with Zuba at Zenit for or even even with Tarimi in the national team um and then Tarimi you know as I said I think Tarimi is one of our, I think he's our best player and I really hope that with the amount of games that are going to happen between now and the World Cup um I think all the group stage games for the Champions League and the Europa League will be played before the World Cup and if you add that into the on, on the league and I think maybe even some of the cup competitions you know in the leagues um, it's going to be quite a heavy schedule for these players. And I think Taremi, and, you know, considering Alayar being injured and maybe missing the World Cup, Taremi really, we cannot afford to lose him in this World Cup. We cannot afford to lose Taremi because he is so vital to this team. Um, and I really hope it doesn't affect his his fitness um, at all. You know, touch wood, really, uh, touch wood, because it's, he's a very vital player for this team. I think the good thing is we do have other strikers like Shahab Zahidi, like Ali Alipur, who are obviously playing in Europe. It's a shame that the guys like Mohebi, 
uh, and also Qaidi didn't really make careers outside of Iran for themselves, come back to Iran just now, you know. But we do have other options, so it is good from that person. Obviously, Karim Ansar, if I going to Ammonia in, in Cyprus now as well. But overall, we do have good options, but Taremi is a very, very important player. Yeah, he's playing in his prime right now as well. Like he's he's insane the way that he's playing. Let's move on to the Europa League draw. So you've got Ali Reza Jahanbash, who's playing for Feyenoord, and he's against Lazio, Michelin, and Sturm Graz. And then you've got Karim Ansarifard, who's recently just moved to Omonia um, in Cyprus, and they're playing against Manu, uh, Real Sociedad, and Sheriff, who famously beat Real Madrid last season in the Champions League. And then you've got uh, Dennis Eichert, uh, the Iranian-German-Spanish um, player. And they're playing against Braga, Malmo and FC Union. Um, so, yeah, some good Europa League draws as well. Um, Daniel, what do you make of those? Well, uh, for for uh, to, to begin with Ali Reza, he, he's not getting much playing time right now. The only thing is that, uh, like Moharami, it's good to... To, to for for both their teams to to have a um, a busy schedule, so the, the the coach will need to 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 change the squad every three days, every four days, and so they can get playing time. I'm not sure that um, he will be a starter at um, um, in the in the European games unless it's not the priority for the team to to play the the European Cup and then. He could play these games. Um, about the draw, I think it's both nice draw. It will be a very tough one for uh, Ansarifar, but actually, um, I, I, I don't know his team that his new team that much. But yeah, it will be a tough, um, a very difficult group. Just very quickly, Sina, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, about Karim Ansarifar, what do you make of the transfer? Is it significant for the national team at all? Like he's he's obviously still in the setup. Like, th- what does it mean, really? I think, firstly, in terms of his club, I think that they'll play a very similar role as Dinamo Zagreb will be playing in in their own Champions League group, where you know that they'll be there to to enjoy the 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 occasion and 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 the group that they're in, and it will be the sim it will be a similar case with um, Omonia as well. Uh, of course, very difficult group with United uh, Sociedad and I think is it Sheriff the other team in in their group. So yeah, um, from from Ansarifar's perspective, um, to be able to to get regular uh, game time, I think it's it's great. We've had a, a couple of plays in in Cyprus previously. I think Zandi. Um, is is the main one that I can think of um, uh, that he played there for for a couple of years. But approaching the World Cup, Ansarifad wants to be in the squad, and and I think Ansarifad is one of those players who may not you may not rely on uh, in terms of what he brings on the pitch. Not because he's not he doesn't have the quality, but because what we have ahead of him is is so much better. You know, we were talking about Osmond and, and Taremi, um, for example. But what Ansarifad does bring is, is he's got a um he's got a personality that the players respect. He's he's a bit of a leader in the um in the squad. And um we've seen this uh, and again we we're talking about this under the assumption that Kairos will come in. But if if we continue with that assumption, we've seen in the past that Kairos values those characters who, although they sit on the bench, they make a massive difference to the unity within the team. You know, we saw that with, with Masu Shujoy and Dejoga for such a, uh, a long time. And I think Ansari Fad has been playing that role um, in the last year of, of Kerush's uh, tenure and even within the last couple of years as well. So I think for, for Ansari Fad, the, the priority will be to stay match fit, to play as much, um, play as many minutes as possible. Of course, it'll be a great opportunity for him to play against the big clubs that we, we mentioned as well. But his eyes will, will definitely, and his priority will, will mainly be on um, on the World Cup. And it's also, also worth mentioning that Ansari Fad did have offers to play in Iran. Um, I think tr- uh, both Tractor and uh, Persepolis were, were after him. Uh, both of them desperately needed a striker. Um, so he chose to stay in Europe. And I think it's mainly because he wants to continue playing um, for Team Melli. 
I do respect Karim Ansari-Farad a lot because it, he he hasn't taken the easy route out of going back to Iran like a lot of other players have. And he keeps striving to play in Europe, whether that's in Greece, whether that's in Cyprus. Like Even though the, the lower sort of leagues, lower divisions, he still strives to play in Europe, which I, I massively respect. It'll be more comfortable for him to, to move to Iran, I feel. So So let's let's move on to the other Legionnaires. Um, so you talked about Alayar, uh, but yeah, we could talk about Saman, Ali Khalizadeh. Um, Said as a Tolahi, but I guess out of those Legionnaires, we did talk about Jao Bash maybe not getting that playing time. Out of all the other ones that I just mentioned, I guess, like, are there any updates that you guys can tell, like, the audience um, as to playing time? Like, I feel like with Saman, he should definitely move this summer. It was a bit of a loss um, that he hasn't done that with Brentford. What do you guys think, Arya? Yeah, look, uh, for, for someone, it's, it's not a great situation to be in for him. I think, obviously, he wants to be playing regularly. I think, I believe anyway, that for someone, he would like to move out on loan. I believe that. Um, whether that to be true or not, I don't know. But I do believe he would like to be going out on loan because he needs the game time. I mean, he's gone about two or three seasons now not playing regularly. If you remember, casting mind back to when he was suspended for four months, he had no game, no matches whatsoever hasn't really been that regular of a starter for the national team either. You know, so he's not getting a lot of minutes um, just now. And I think he needs that. Um, obviously, you can't also deny that I'm sure he's making a lot of money out in the Premier League. And I think any footballer would like to stay in the Premier League, you know, because that is where football is, is thriving right now for, for, you know, in Europe. So I don't really blame him for staying. But I do believe, I do believe, I, I, and I do really believe that he would like to go out on loan although he has he has been getting a lot of substitute appearances so i wonder if the coach would like to keep him and that's the reason why he hasn't gone out maybe the coach sees him as a still sees him as a substitute that he likes to keep around the team um and that could be the reason why but i do think for a a, a, like a, a club in the championship or in the turkish league for example or maybe even back to france don't really like it but could be an option well actually yes i was gonna say very quickly daniel i actually disagree with you i feel like i feel like someone is very comfortable at brentford even though he's coming as a substitute like the the amount that he posts on instagram about brentford like every game before the game he's like oh yeah really excited about the game like doing these all these previews and things like a player that's unhappy would not be doing that He's um, unhappy. I don't think he's unhappy. I don't think. I don't. I mean, as I said, if you're, as if you're I not said, getting much playing time, no, you would I mean, be, as I the said, level of playing time he's getting, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be happy with that. I, feel. No, I mean, as I said, playing in the Premier League is a privilege, you know, and I'm sure he he wants to stay there, you know, no doubt about it. But at the same time, looking at his career just now, he's he's approaching not. I wouldn't say the end of his career, but he's approaching the end of his prime slowly but surely, and I don't think that. He would. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter in the Premier League, in my opinion. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter in the Premier League. That's my opinion. I love him as a player, but I don't think he'd ever be a player that starts regularly for any club in the Premier League. And the reality is, if he wants game time, he has to go. He has to go abroad. That that's what he has to do. I think. I do think that he do want want would like to go abroad and play. But at the same, as you say, you know, Premier League is the Premier League. I don't think any player would say, you know. I would happily stay on the bench because ultimately that that's that that's the, the pinnacle of the game. Well, actually, on a on a sporting point of view, if I was in in his place, I would stay one more season because he did only one season at yet at Premier League level, and even if he didn't play much, and for now he just came on a few minutes at the end of the games, he he should give it a try this year too. This season, uh, in in my opinion. Playing in the Premier League, as you said, it, Premier League is actually the, the best league in the world. And uh, just just seeing the pressure, the, the experience you can gain from, from this, it's quite useful for him. And then if, if he can't make it through the through a starting 11 this year, then okay, I will agree. But he should give it one more try because it's it's just uh, one shot, one opportunity in, in his life. And if he doesn't do it now, I'm not sure the opportunity will come again. So, sportingly, I think, on a, on a sporting point of view, uh, I, I would stay. What do you make of it, Sina? The, the, 
the one question I have for you guys, and I, I, want, I want you all to answer this, is if you were in his shoes, you look at the journey that he's had throughout his career and where he is right now. Um, I think one of you said the pinnacle of, of, of a footballer is to play in the Premier League. Absolutely. It's, there's no question about it. it. Does it mean more when you come from his background and, and, the, and the journey that he's had? So then where he is right now, would you say he does have sporting motivations to go elsewhere? Or is it a matter of he's thinking, That's actually, that have I got to the point where I wanted when I when I wanted a football career when I was playing the third division or whatever it was at the time or even with Ustersunds did I think I'll be playing Premier League football for established Premier League club and um, play, having played in the World Cup um, what, what else is there to achieve I asked the same question regarding Dejaga after the 2014 World Cup when he moved to the Middle East he'd already won the Bundesliga played in the Premier League with Fulham uh, that got relegated, but he he had a great last season when he scored those goals against Everton and Tottenham. I think it was had a great showing in the World Cup. He was injury prone, so I so when people were criticising, I was thinking, well, if you were in his shoes, from a sporting perspective, what is what is the motivation? What what else is there to achieve when he looks back at, at his career? That's true. And I would say, I would ask the same thing regarding Odus as well. No, I think you're right. Look, Odus, as I said, he, 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 as you say, he, he came from Ostersunds, who weren't a particularly great club in Sweden, but he brought them to a very high level. You know, when he was playing against Arsenal, we saw f- some fantastic moments from someone Odus, and that was one of the reasons why he ended up getting called up to the national team by Carlos Queiroz. So, you know, he made it. And I think, yeah, there was an issue when he went to, when he was going to, Huesca in Spain and then he went to Amiens and all these things happened it kind of, I wouldn't say stagnated him but it kind of brought it, it brought him, it, it wasn't great for him at the time, I think it made, it made a little bit of a problem I think in his development as, as well and I think he didn't really think that he would ever go to the Premier League considering he was playing in, in the second tier of French football uh, for a period, you know, to, to then go to the Premier League it is a massive step, and I, and I don't think you can take it away from him because he's achieved that. And I think credit to him for doing so. You know, getting promotion with with uh, Brentford was great as well. However, you know, as I said, he is approaching his kind of end of his peak. Maybe, maybe you know, he, maybe he feels like he's done everything he has to do in the Premier League, and he wants to move on. And maybe now he thinks. He can be that player that can start regularly at a decent league and and maybe try and be a bit more consistent in scoring goals and creating assists potentially. But you never you can't really go in a player's head and and just decide things these things for them, you know, because it is their life ultimately. I definitely hear what you say, Sina, and and Aria as well. I, I like I can I can see where you're coming from. I just feel like he needs to demand more from himself, given the talents that he has. With Ashkan Dejoga, it's slightly different in my opinion. He was playing very consistently for Fulham, and he was scoring goals. Like he he gave the Premier League a very good shot. Fulham got relegated that season. He was their standout player by far. Um, and he was even elected by the fans as best player. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. He gave he gave the Premier League an extremely great shot. Someone hasn't done that. So I feel like he should demand more from himself. And when you say like, yeah, he's reached that pinnacle where he's playing in the Premier League. When you say playing in the Premier League, like he's playing not that many minutes in the Premier League. Yeah, so I don't even know if well, he's actually done that. Well, cast your mind back to the interview that we did with him last year. You know, he was being very honest. You know, he was saying how much, you know, he feels like he needs to do more and he he wants to get playing time and that's his goal. And he was being very honest and I, and I appreciate him for that because it's not easy for a player to do that in interviews to, to say, to criticise themselves and say, you know, I want to do I want to do this and I want to make sure that this season... But unfortunately, he didn't do what he wanted to do. And I think maybe that can, that kind of makes it hard for him because you know when you don't meet your goals it's not easy for a footballer to say you know I've I've been successful this season and i think for him as i said it would have been nice to have gone out on loan you know he's still tied to brentford you know but unfortunately it's not happened 
just uh, one last thing on, on this before we we wrap up this topic. I just wanted to say that I'm 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 not a psychologist. Uh, I have no idea about these kind of things. So when I when I pose the question, it's more food for thought rather than suggesting that yeah, these players have have mentally reached a stage where they feel like I don't want to play football anymore. No, um, and 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 you're right, by the way, Sina. You know, I think generally as as athletes, you know, when they get to that level, they would have got to that level because they would have demanded more from themselves uh, they would have expected more from themselves and and I agree I think technically speaking when we look at a player of, of his talent he should want to play more and hopefully he will get to play more whether it's at Brentford or somewhere else where the, the quality is still there and he'll be able to show his 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 potential as well mm. The other uh, legionnaire that I want to talk about is Ali Rolizade I know Arya you've been following this for a while so what what's the sort of latest on him yeah well, so, you know, we interviewed him last year and he was saying, explicitly said that I'm only signing a five-year deal with Charleroi in order for them to have a financial benefit from me leaving in the summer. Uh, he said, to him, he even said, I'm going to leave uh, in that kind of way. And um, <laughs> I use this word really strongly. I think they scammed him because... Here's the thing, like, they made him sign a five-year deal, right, when he could have left on a free transfer. Um, and now he's, he's tied to that club for five years. No one's going to pay up a, a large amount, a large sum of money to sign Qualies out there. poor season last season, and I just don't see how anyone's going to sign him for a large sum of money. I believe he's been scammed. Like, honestly, he should not have been signing a deal for five years when he could have left on a free transfer. That's my opinion. And I'm, I'm happy that I'm going to say sign with them. You know, it's a good transfer for him. Uh, hopefully he performs this season. But I really, I was, I was hoping Ali would get a move, but it's not going to happen, unfortunately. So we talked about Saman and his game time, but another legion I want to talk about is Saeed Azatolahi, who, yeah, I would love to get your take on Aria as well. Yeah, on Saeed, look, he uh, was obviously Al Garafa on loan for the second half of last season. He moved back to Vila, obviously, because of contractually, he was still tied with that club. Didn't train with them at all during preseason. He was very close to signing with Chavez, a recently promoted team in Portugal. Um, but the deal didn't go through. The two clubs couldn't agree, um, and they weren't really guaranteeing him game time. So, they just chose not to take that deal. Um, he had offers from a few clubs in the Danish league and the Spanish second tier. Unfortunately, that league will continue during the World Cup. So a lot of those teams didn't want to sign somebody who will miss a good chunk of the season. Uh, also from the English uh, League One, the third tier. Again, it didn't really work out. And also one team that really wanted them was Craiova from Romania uh, on loan. Um, again, really keen on getting him but again just didn't work out for him and I think I think he'll stay at Violet until January which is a big shame I think he's got a lot of talent but he's going to be playing in the second year of Danish football for half a season it seems like yeah it's a big shame given given how again how talented he is as a player I want to end the podcast on some amazing news and that was that we had female supporters in the domestic Iranian division uh, recently, so the first one around a thousand fans for the Estaklal game at uh, the Azadi Stadium, and more recently, four thousand female fans for the Paris Police game today, and hopefully, hoping that it will increase gradually as the season goes on. Um, Sina, what do you make of that? Of that news? Great news. Progress is is always good to see. Should have happened sooner, and I'm I'm sorry, but it shouldn't be a gradual process either. Now that it's here. They need to do all they can to make it firstly permanent and the numbers going up very quickly rather than having to wait another five years again before it increases. So, yeah, great, great, but has has to be better. No question about it. Yeah, for sure. I think I think we all agree with you. Like progress is progress, but we, we want this like a lot sooner. This is a this is fundamentally like a right, I feel. Yes. Yeah. So it's 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 quite good news. Uh, I'm very happy with the. We, it's it's only a first step, uh, and as Sina said, let's hope that it will be uh, uh, not just uh, one one time, but it will be permanent. Um, I, I remember I uh, I watched game in at Azadi Stadium, and people were saying, yeah, uh, they should allow 
um, women into the stadium so the men behave better. And I think uh, their behavior now will be better in the stadium. But let's just hope that um, some of the, our stadium, like Azadi, is falling apart. I do, you know, on a safety safety um, angle, it's really getting dangerous. So let's just hope that allowing stadium uh, women into stadium is good, but we have to make sure they're they're safe too. Definitely, no, I, I totally agree. Um, hopefully, it continues. Uh, I think it will. Apparently, there'll be four thousand again against Presbyterian and Science and Aft and also the stadium. So, and and as I said, it will gradually increase and it. You know, it needs to happen in every stadium. That that's the reality. That it has to happen in every stadium. It has to happen for every national team game. We shouldn't be having women getting sprayed in the face with pepper spray. You know, these things just shouldn't be happening. And um, we're stepping in the right direction, slowly but surely. And there's still a long way to go. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's me on that. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant way to end the podcast, actually, given given the news. So, yeah, as for you guys listening, we'll be back soon with a deeper dive into our Legionnaires with journalists from each respective country. And we'll also continue our Twitter spaces. I know you guys love that, so we'll continue doing that. And also, you can support our work on our Patreon. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash Golbazan. And of course, follow us on social media and all the podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Sina, Arya, and Daniel for joining me. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Hello, my name is Alaya Sayed Manish. You're listening to Gulbazan Podcast.